Thank you, Brother Smith, and praise the Lord, everyone. Can we just lift our hands and worship the Lord? And we praise you today, Lord Jesus. We worship you right much this holy day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, God bless you. We have a lot of territory to cover here. Wow. So we need to move along rather quickly today that we can finish this seminar on intercessory prayer. So very, very, very pleased on Wednesday at the conclusion of the service we practiced and praying an intercessory prayer and at least 50% of the entire congregation actually reached a dimension of intercession in the spirit. Several of you reached intercession in other dimensions, but uh, we're thankful for this. And uh, now we're kind of crossing the T's and dotting the I's and clearing up misunderstandings and be sure that we go home with the right concept. Amen. And it has been a wonderful joy to be here with you again. I love the state of Maine. And I love the church in Maine ten times more than I love the church. <laughs> it's a joy to be with you. I love you. I love the way you worship the Lord. I love the way that you follow a preacher. And no matter what you get up here and do, you just kind of follow along with us. And uh, moving that out dimension, it tells me that you are very hungry for the things of God. And I noticed that today that uh, some of you are beginning to feel a little bit weary, tired in your body, but you seem to still be very eager in your spirit and anxious for more of the good things of God. Many of you have told me that my coming has been a blessing to you, and uh, that being true, I, I am very, very thankful. I want to personally take this opportunity since this will be my last session. I have stood here as long as you want to talk after every service, not only the morning service, but the evening services. I have stood here and talked with everybody that wanted to talk for as much as two hours without leaving this pulpit. And I've been anxious to do that. And if I've been a help to you, I am so glad I've been able to minister to you Personally, however, today, as soon as you dismiss, you're going to look up and I'll be gone. Because uh, I will not have time to talk to you today. Please, please don't uh, impose upon my personality. Because if you try to stop me, I will stop. And I will miss my plane. And I will be very unhappy. <laughs> hey, God. Has it been good to be in the house of the Lord? <laughs> I want to thank the Brother Churchill, your good district superintendent. And the better I know him, the more I love him. And appreciate him. And the district secretary, Brother Smith, is so very precious to see in the spirit. I love him so very much. And both of these great men's families. And all the district boards and officials and preachers, preachers' wives, 
God bless you, everyone. It has been a joy to be here with you, all of you brothers from Canada. God bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's been a joy to be with you. I want to thank you for the food, and thank you for helping me stay on my uh, food program. <laughs> yes, that's quite a challenge. Traveling. And everybody doesn't bother to help me. It becomes very difficult when someone doesn't care. But uh, you have cared, and uh, that, uh, I don't want to get overweight while I'm up here, you know? And uh, <laughs> So thank you for helping me. The fellowship of everyone has been so beautiful. And then there's my young friends over there on my left. Really put the icing on the cake last night. I was on the way to my cabin later than they could have been out. <laughs> and we had quite a conversation. We wanted to keep in my, uh, my cabin. And I said, why would you want to do that? They said, we just have a desire. I said, well, what if I have a desire to break your little finger? <laughs> I said, if you want to teach me something, go do that and take to his car. <laughs> I knew one time and we'll never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> but then they, then they told me that they wished that I was five years younger than I am. And I said, why? Well, I don't think you ever told me why. And then I had to, the wisdom to ask them, how old do you think I am? And they said, 35. They wanted me to be 30 years old. Can you believe that? I've got a grandson in college. <laughs> yes, you young people. <laughs> when I was only 28 years old, they got to testing my age in Thailand. And in Thailand, it's very important to be old. You know, age is so important to them. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, it's so important that it wouldn't hurt to put a little flower or something in your hair, you know. <laughs> it would help you. <laughs> Anyhow, they got to guessing how old I was, and I was only 28 years old. And they, I, I didn't want to tell them because I was too young. I didn't want them to know that I was only 28. And uh, so I let them guess. And the one sister said, Oh, Ajahn, they called me Ajahn. Ajahn, you're about 55. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to them, and another brother spoke up and said, Oh, no, Ajahn is not that old. He's only about 
I was 28. <laughs> and I said, well, what makes you think I'm 50? He said, well, nobody could get that big in less than 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> getting older, looking older, because in the last general conference of science that Nathaniel Erskine was our nice speaker, and we took him to a new department store that just opened, and they thought he was so handsome, the five people thought, they loved Brother Erskine, and they thought he was so handsome, they wanted to talk to him, they, they had to talk to him through me, through an interpreter. And they wanted to know how old he was. So he had them to death. And they dressed him 40 years old. Oh, he loved them. Then he wanted them to guess how old I was. And they dressed me 55. 15 years older than him. He went to that store every single day. <laughs> for choosing such a wonderful team for me to work with. But in Sister Mainland are so outstanding. I'll be working with them again in two more camp meetings. And uh, I don't know if I can survive here speaking that long or not. It's something else, isn't it? <laughs> I told him last night, I said, I hope there's some way for God to let us hear your preaching and for him not to listen. <laughs> you may not understand that statement, but he understood. <laughs> I appreciate him so very much. And then to meet Brother and Sister Dudley, and to get acquainted with them, and to work with them, and it's been a real pleasure. God bless you. Maybe you'll let me come again sometime. I hope so. <laughs> Joy to come. Amen. Well, God bless you. So, let us get started real quickly. And I must conclude right on time at 12 o'clock today. So we have a handful of questions here. I've been handed one, quite a list of questions just a few minutes ago. They're all good questions, but every one of them have already been answered. So if you please get the tape. Just get the tape, and uh, we will not take the time to answer these questions again. Amen. All right. I have been teaching a new convert, and this question was asked. If I write down my problems to someone, can the devil read? But I've never been asked that question before. That's a new one. Is he afraid to talk about it? Uh, she is afraid to talk about it, but fear the devil will use it against her. First of all, the devil does not have eyes nor bodies. He is disembodied when he was cast to the earth. And uh, that's the reason why devils and the devil seek out 
warm bodies, they seek flesh and blood, because they have no bodies. And whether he can read or not, I really don't know. <laughs> and I promise you at the base of all this, if I didn't know, I would simply answer you, I don't know. But I do know this. It's a good thing to be very careful who you talk to about your problem. That is wisdom. Don't just talk to everybody about your problem. Because when you tell some people, you've told the whole church. And when you get to talking these problems, you are indeed screwing the devil in on your problems. He cannot read your mind, but he can hear your voice. So, wisdom. Choose someone to conquer with, but choose carefully. Choose carefully. And when it comes to and you tell one single person, you drive. Over the There's the truth anyhow. <laughs> you tell someone, you tell that person you're trying to tell them. And somebody says, Did you keep my confidence? Yes, but I will confer this with some so and so. I will keep their counsel because the Bible says in the multitude of counsel there is witness wisdom. But I will let that person know if I'm going to tell my wife, I will confer this with my wife. I tell them. I tell them. This is something that's important. And you keep a top of it. And don't never, if you're an elder in the church, under the submission of a pastor, don't never, ever take confidence from a saint that keeps you from telling the pastor what they've told you. That is absolute, total disloyalty. And you're unworthy of that pastor's leadership. Hello, hallelujah, and under that faith, Lord. You may not believe that, but that doesn't make it untrue. So you, you may not believe it. Praise <laughs> God. You doing all right? My glasses is either used in food or uh, you need the right bigger one. Someone said, Brother Cole, you think too. How come you wear a reading glasses? Because God doesn't heal old age. <laughs> 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 well, I'm old enough to wear a reading glasses. In dealing with the press of an area, does the press ever make himself known? In spirit only, or does he ever manifest himself in the form of people? Very definitely, he can make himself known. He can even take a visible form in a spirit condition and state, which has happened to me on some occasions. And it has, uh, I have ministered to people who have the sense of your area. The way he would work in a person would not be through perfection that he would influence their thinking. One of the most important powers of the devil is to introduce thought into your mind or into anyone's mind. And definitely he can be used in that 
passion, we create rebellion or misunderstanding. All of these things can be used to hinder the work of God. These answers will have to be brief or we will not get to the question. And the call if there are people in a church in leadership positions that oppose the pastor and other leaders to everybody, but to everybody else, they are spiritually great people. Will this situation hinder and gain more ground from the devil? Will the Lord eventually remove these people since they are repenting and not repenting? I will answer the last question first. It depends on how the pastor handles them. If you fight your own battle, God will let you fight your battle. And you'll get the conclusion of the result of the wisdom of your own personal fight. If you are, if you are easily to repent, if you are revengeful, and you take action on people out of revenge, and you're constantly attacking somebody rather than dealing with somebody, God will let you do your own job and they will stay with you for a very long time. But if you turn it over to God in intercession and with the proper kind of teaching and sometimes face-to-face counseling, but in American culture, be careful what you say to someone straight to their face. Apostolic preachers today are oftentimes handcuffed because of our society. In Thailand, God may reveal to me that so and so is living in adultery. I would go to that person and say, Sir, you are living in adultery, and it happened such and such. They will repent. You do that in America, and in 10 days you'll be in court sued for everything you've got. What's the result? The result is you're going to have to listen to the pastor preach. And if that's not enough, you're liable to be lost. Because he cannot face you straight away unless he can prove what he's saying. Very delicate. Very, very delicate to pastor in our culture today. It takes the wisdom of God to pastor 50 people. I'm telling you that. And if you pastor a big church, it takes double portion of it. But God is able to help us. Can you say amen? The most important way to stop a great revival is for the devil to choose a so-called spiritual person, transfer them into your church, and let them gain the confidence of you and your people, and you set them up as leaders in the church because they gain the confidence, and they have in fact been, they have been enticed to come there through the, through the uh, uh, transmission of thought to their minds from the enemies. And then they will rise up against that pastor in rebellion. It will bring your revival to a halt unless he is extremely wise to stop it. The most effective way. There has got to be unity if revival continues. The pastor may not always be right, 
that he is always pastor. And sometimes these things that people go around scattering and gossiping about are unworthy of your gossip. Unworthy of your, it's not a serious problem. So he wanted green pocket instead of orange pocket. He cares. That's not heaven or hell, is he? Don't tear the church up over something like that, for God's sake. Can you say amen? Now, if he wants to start baptizing everybody in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, instead of Jesus' name, that's time to start typing. That's not the Holy Ghost without speaking in tongues. That's time to start typing. If they go healing you a little bit and they say they got the Holy Ghost, that's time to start typing. Over a chair or a pew or something, for God's sake. Hey, let's go up. Can you say amen? <laughs> and keep the revival going. I'd rather have a church full of people that sat and sitting on truck trees than I would 50 people sitting on padded trees that I like real well. Praise the Lord. Is that good teaching? I thought it was. Praise the Lord. What about the intercessor who gets a burden that doesn't know who or what the burden is for? Is there a way to tell or understand what you are praying for? I'll answer the second question first. Yes, very definitely there is a way when it comes to the gift of the word of knowledge. It can either work in yourself or in someone else that you near you can reveal to you what the burden is about. However, intercessory prayer can be just as effective whether you know what you're praying about or not. In fact, that's the original purpose of praying in the Spirit. The Bible says, and I read for you in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit, and that's a capital letter, which means the Holy Spirit, likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Everybody say, we know not. We know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, itself makes it intercession for us it's warnings which cannot be uttered, or words that cannot be interpreted. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, because he maketh intercession for who? For the saints. Everyone say it. For the saints, according to what? According to the will of God. Not according to your will. That's the reason why it's so important to speak in the Spirit. Because as long, you can make intercession in your own language. But as long as you're speaking in your own language, you are making the request according to your own will. But in the Spirit, it's according to the will of God. And of course, that's what we all want most of all. Isn't that true? So revelation can come. It is not essential with a prayer being answered, it's nice to know if you're not given to egotism, if you're not given to ego and pride, and you'd be lifted up, but then it's nice to know that sometimes the Lord protects us because knowing weaknesses of our flesh, He doesn't reveal everything to us. Sometimes it's better not to know. 
But you can know. I remember I, uh, one of the first experiences I had, I was teaching in a small church, about 50 people, a good church, a very good church, a wonderful pastor, very precious. And during the speaking, there was a sister quite well dressed. She was modest in her the way she was dressed, but it was obvious that she was not a poor woman. And she began to speak extremely powerful in tongues. At that point, probably the most powerful that I had personally ever heard. And it was the church, the church had been taught to be silent when someone would speak the tongues and give place for an interpretation. And there was no interpretation. And the Lord did not give me the interpretation. This was before I even went to Thailand. And so, I remember that there was quite a ruffle of the spirit over the congregation because these people were embarrassed that someone would speak out so strongly in tongues and there not be any interpretation for the church. So in my own heart, I prayed, God, reveal to me what this woman has said so that I can speak it to the congregation and the, the spirits will settle down and we can go ahead with the service because they were obviously interpretation to the church was because there was no message for the church. She was in fact praying an intercessory prayer. And she was praying for a pastor in the middle of Red China. She was praying for a pastor. Now in those days, we didn't know there was any church in Red China. But since that time, we have learned of over 600 Jesus' name, apostolic churches that are in Red China. But in those days, we didn't even know there was a pastor in Red China. But she was praying for a pastor in the middle of Red China. Oh, praise God. What a marvelous tool, powerful tool that God has put into our hands. A woman that has never been out of the United States in the spirit reached all the way into Red China. And it was told to you as an American in those days, stuck your big toe in Red China, you'd have been in jail. But through the Spirit, you was able to reach in there and minister to some man of God. Can you say praise the Lord? I remember one time we had guest speakers in the church that I was pastoring near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in the city of Greenland, West Virginia. And just as I was ready to introduce the guest speaker, who was a very spiritual person, and his wife was also very spiritual, the spirit of intercession came to us. And there was many things that the healing church did not understand, but they understood intercessory prayer. The entire church understood it and touched the church. And I got up to the pulpit, and before introducing the guest, I said, there is someone there is someone that is in desperate need of prayer right now. And I want you to pray intercessorily for them. 
and just like he had flipped a switch on a transistor radio, that entire congregation reached into a dip, depth of intercession for whomever. But it was then the Lord revealed to me, not to the church, but the Lord revealed to me that we were in fact praying for a united Pentecostal church pastor praying. And so I told them, told them that. And then a message in tongues came, an interpretation through the guest speaker's wife, that God had put a head about them, and that he would be protected, that he would be all right. Well, we went on to the service, had a great service, and it kind of went back to what it was. After the service, at Green Hall, I had kind of forgotten this. It slipped my mind. And about 11 o'clock, I got a phone call. And I recognized the voice. And if I would speak the name of this prominent preacher, your teeth would fall out of your mouth right now. So I'm not going to mention his name. He called me. I recognized his voice. And I said, where are you at? He said, I'm in the Ramada Inn near the Pittsburgh International Airport. And I said, what time did you arrive? He said, about quarter after eight tonight. And then I heard this horrible wail over the... Never heard. He literally wailed. He said, the devil wins! The devil wins! My city has crushed me and destroyed me. He said, I have fled my wife and my children and my congregation does not know where I'm at. And I said, my dear brother, have you sinned? He said, no, I have not sinned, but I am totally exhausted. I am totally discouraged. And I said, you're going to be all right. We have prayed the prayer of faith for you already tonight. And God has put a head about you. You're going to be all right. I said, you go to bed and sleep. I'll be after you tomorrow. He stayed with me a few days. Went home until this day. His church does not know where he was at or why he was gone. What would have happened if there hadn't been someone in tune with his church? What would have happened? Amen. So God can reveal to you, but it's not absolutely essential for the revelation to come. If the Holy Ghost is not being used, an example, uh, someone received the Holy Ghost years ago, but is not in use as a teenager now, can the devil be in them? I think the question means, can a person backslide and become possessed of the devil? He most certainly can. He most certainly can. In fact, the Bible speaks about those that will be turned over to a strong delusion to believe a lie and be damned. Romans chapter 1 and verse 28. Backsliding, we pray so many backsliders through. In fact, we pray some through so many times. I don't care how many times the backslider repents. I'm going to minister to them and repent and pray with them, endeavor to help them to pray through. But I'm telling you folks, it is a dangerous thing to do. Backsliding is extremely dangerous. It really is. 
It is very dangerous. I remember one character who attempted every revival and played through every revival. One revival, he was laying on the altar, talking in tongues, playfully, of course. I told my son-in-law, go back and get my son and kill him while he played through. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, you know I was only joking. You gotta be careful what you say nowadays. One preacher counts with a fellow and tries and said, if I had a wife like you, God, I'd kill her. He went home and killed her. And that picture was received for a hundred thousand dollars and they got it. For my practice. <laughs> Gotta be careful. I'm telling you, you need to pray for your preacher. <laughs> that's not a that's not a parable. That really happened. I read about it in the newspaper. But you can backslide. Here is the problem with backsliding. When you backslide, you never backslide by yourself. You'll always take somebody with you. You made your path. But the person that went with you may never make it back. May never make it back. And you will be responsible forever for a lost soul. That's a heavy burden to bear. Can you say amen? Let it hold on. Since receiving the Holy Ghost two years ago, I have not spoken in tongues since, since I desire to be closer to Him, but I know that without a prayer language, my walk is stunted. It seems that when the Spirit is on me, that I get as far as far as uh, standing with, but get no farther. Any thoughts, please? Yes. First of all, let me say that the uh, amount of tongues that you speak does not determine how much Holy Ghost you've got. I can speak the tongues in here, at here. I can speak the tongues right now, right this second. One second, I'm not speaking the tongues. The next second, I can speak the tongues anytime I please, 24 hours a day. That does not mean that I have more Holy Ghost than even the person that read this, wrote this. That does not mean that I have more Holy Ghost than they have. Let me tell you what it does mean. It means that I have learned how to submit to God. And I have learned how to quickly submit to God. I can submit to the Lord in a second time. That's what it means. I've learned how to submit to God. That's what this person needs to learn. And as I read this, the Holy Ghost quickens me that in the service last night, whoever wrote this did in fact speak the tongue. I don't remember who it was, but uh, they did in fact speak the tongue last night. Now the thing to do is continue to practice that every single day. Learn to speak the tongues on a daily basis. Pray through. And the way you pray through is you get your attention on the Lord and begin to worship Him. Worship Him. Amen. And, uh, and then meditate on the Lord 
Have faith that he's going to speak through you. You must continue to give your voice. You must continue. Don't just cry. If you need to speak, speak. And, and you cannot speak with your tongue unless it comes into your mind first. It is humanly impossible to speak with your tongue that your mind doesn't think it. So a train sound will come to your mind, and when that happens, speak it. And when you do, that is the step of faith. Speaking in tongues is an act of faith, and that is the step of faith. And when you do it, something automatically will just continue to cause it to flow through you. When it begins to speak, don't stop it. You can stop it. Some people will try to stop it to see whether it's real or not. And because they stop it, they may think it's not real, so they're continually speaking after something else that they never get. Does that help you? Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Why pray when God already knows what our need is better than we do ourselves? Well, I wish I had about two hours to answer that question, but I'm going to give you a very brief answer. I preach a message sometimes. I haven't preached it for a long time, but I like it. Entitled Precious Pain. Entitled the message Precious Pain. And in that message, the central theme is that in participation of a burden of soul and ministering and praying for others, we become more sensitive to God and we become more like Christ through practicing burden and compassion and through prayer we become more Christ-like and after all that's our ultimate goal is to be a Christian or to be like Christ. Can you say amen? So one of the important reasons for praying is to become more Christ-like in sharing the burden. The reason many times prayer is so helpful is because you become burdened while you're praying. Now, there are other reasons. Another reason is the power of the spoken word. There is power. The Lord knew this. That's the reason why he inspired the use of tongues as the evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost. The most powerful member of the human body is your tongue. It is the hardest part of your body to control. Someone angers you, you probably just simply because you're an adult. Not a Christian, but just simply because you're an adult, you can control your fist. As an adult, you wouldn't be so stupid as to hit somebody with your fist. And any man that will hit his wife with his fist is a punk. Absolutely an ignoramus and a stupid idiot. God didn't tell me to say that. That's one of those strong impressions. <laughs> now, you wouldn't understand that unless you were here yesterday. <laughs> Amen. But the Bible teaches us in James, you're familiar with the scripture, where 
speaks of the tongues, how the men will bridle the tongue of a horse and control a 2,000 pound horse. And, uh, and how ships are controlled just with the rudder. And so it is with the human spirit. And so God chose tongues uh, as the evidence of the Holy Ghost because that means our body is in Christ's commission and he's going to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God with the utterance. There's power in the spoken word. You can control animals with the spoken word. You can control a dog or a horse or, or whatever. By just speaking the word, I can control you. I can make you laugh with my tongue. I can make you cry with my tongue. And I could make you mad with my tongue. I can control you with my tongue. Amen. And so there is power in the spoken word. Word. God created the world by just speaking them into existence. Someone said the earth and all of these planets come into existence because the sun is saved, right? I'm not saying the sun didn't explode. Maybe it did. If it did, however, it exploded because God told it to. It was the spoken word that brought all this into existence. Amen. And so when you begin to speak the word in faith, everybody say in faith, the word must be spoken in faith. And when the word is spoken in faith, the answer begins to lead the throne of God right at that second and begins to minister to someone. I believe this is Brother Henderson here, isn't it? It will come up here, Brother Henderson, and remind these folks of, of the condition you was in last count meeting. Last count meeting here uh, a year ago, Brother Paul prayed for me, and I thought the leading of the Holy Ghost to come up and be prayed for, and uh, it was something that I had prayed for before. But God has a set time for everything. He has an organized time for everything. And my healing took place in the fitness of people here. And I thought the whole was behind that and it was, it was the left side of my body. And I couldn't even lift my arm as high. I had uh, received an industrial accident that a lot of electricity went through my body and it, and it uh, fused the bones together in my, in my shoulder here. And it fused the fillings in my teeth together. And I'd had a lot of. Uh, uh, damage to the nerves in my arm, and uh, nerve damage is something that, uh, you know, you can't see, you can't put the finger on, but you know it's there, and it's a lot like the Holy Ghost moving in our lives, you can't see it, but you know it's there. Oh, Brother Cole had prayed for me, and I had uh, had a healing from that, and uh, I know Saint Newton means a lot to me, and uh, it's ministry of healing, if it's in the individual's life or whatever. Uh, it, it means a lot to you, and, it, and I, I felt that way. So much you can do with that arm now. Hallelujah. Now you that were here, you that were here, you remember, we didn't lay our hands upon him and say, Lord Jesus, he is his arm. We commanded the arm to raise by the authority of the word of God. And by the power of the name of Jesus, we command this arm to raise right now. And it went right up. You remember? That's the power of the spoken word.
but I don't do it. I used to do it. I used to sleep three times a day. Not just three times a day in the same place. I would go to three different churches every day. All the night, one afternoon. I did that. That's what happened to my wife. She literally destroyed our house. But you see, you have to govern. The Bible says to steal the property. You have to learn to govern and you need rest. I told you yesterday, the most important thing you can do with your spirit is if you're tired, is go to sleep. That's all. Go to sleep. Everybody needs rest. And everybody doesn't rest the same way. I hate lazy like that. I hate it. But my life loves it. So you determine how you can rest and rest. Amen. And get the rest. If you need, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 10, always bearing about in the proper, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our bodies. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us. You hear that? Death. Work it in us, but life in you. That's the reason why a Christian can stand on Sunday night and preach one hour and go home and feel like a truck for one hour. It's not the physical power, it's the spiritual exhaustion. It's spiritual exhaustion, especially if you minister to the church and minister to those that need the Holy Ghost and minister to those that need spiritual healing. There is a torture. Jesus said, He touched me. All right, Lord, let me torture you. Torture goes to your body, too. And it will leave you very tired. And it's busted. And when you're interceding, when you pray, when you're calling to praise the Lord, your body and mind is being healed. One of the important reasons why, and the Lord loves praise, but one of the most important reasons He wants you to praise and worship. It's because when you're worshiping and praising, your body and mind and spirit is being healed. When you're making intercession, your body is back. Your body is back. When you're ministering, your body is back. And so you have to govern the gift. You have to govern the gift. Let's play on. There's a similar question. What do you do with the pain of the ministry? The burden for souls, especially in the areas of sexism, one's effectiveness in the work of the world. In the same area, you have got to learn how to control. You cannot bear the burden without pain. You cannot deliver, a woman cannot deliver a child without pain. But it's a very foolish thing that delivers one every single year. For 20 years. I wonder how far it's going to have to get more kids. Now, on the same basis, you have to learn how to cover your burden. You have to be reasonable. You can't just go around and be a jerk for the guy's reason. He wasn't built to do all that stuff that that man can teach you for us. Can you say it? He wasn't like this. <laughs> ah, I got five minutes left. What you get? What is the current state? 
and the third of the U.S. Trading Power. I believe we are right now in the greatest, most opportune time for the greatest revival that this nation and continent has ever experienced. I really believe that the kingdom of Satan is wounded. I believe he is wounded severely. Amen. I believe Satan's kingdom is totally wounded. Amen. And that we can reach forth, that we can receive new gifts, new powers, new dimensions. Peter is going to get born again if he works this for 20 years and is refused to. Try again. Try again. Can you say, praise the Lord? I believe it's going to happen. We need to rise up in rejoicing and worship and praise. Everybody say faith. Somebody's asked about the condition of uh, the spirit world in Europe. Never has it been bad. Something glorious and marvelous is happening. The Berlin Wall has come down. Communism is collapsing everywhere. And the reason it's happening is because, as I talked to you in an earlier study, that the political manifestation that we see in this earth I can't repeat all of that. If you didn't understand it, you didn't get it, get the tape. I can't repeat it. Don't have time. But, but I did prove it, however. That there is a demonstration in the political, physical world that you and I see that is a manifestation of the condition of the spirit world. And the reason the Berlin Wall is coming down, and the reason communism is collapsing, is because truly the intercessors have sought to the point of work and youth and it's coming down. We're going to see revival in Europe. And in those countries where we have struggled and wrestled, we see a handful of people. We're going to see powers and things to the kingdom and receive this glorious gospel in a very short period of time. I believe it's going to happen, don't you? This recently a Jesus named Peter went to Russia and in one single week had 200 university people from 200 different Western universities to baptize in Jesus' name and pray the Holy Ghost. Oh, God. Hallelujah. I think in the Middle East is a symbol of what has happened in this Middle Eastern war. The visible thing that we have seen is a manifestation of the spirit war. The one who came, no doubt the dust of the region of that, and maybe ten region, rose up in the spirit of Antichrist, and he was before his time. God has his own time, and he rose up in the spirit of Antichrist, preaching Israel, just as Hitler rose up before God's time. He rose up in the spirit of Antichrist, and God allowed Hitler to be crushed because it was before Of her, shall be her, 
He said, Brother Paul, in 1976, I walked onto a church farm and came to the pastor. We had him for 20 years. It didn't happen because of our technology. It didn't happen because of our parents. It didn't happen because of a great president. So we got all those things. It happened because Saddam Hussein prematurely rose up in the spirit of Antichrist and God said, no. The spirit world is back. It's time for us to move. It's time for us to sacrifice. When I went out preaching, I sacrificed. I know what it is to go out in the yard and pull the lines and have a meal. What's the matter with some of you young people today? Let's get the job done. Let's get it done. Don't walk into the foreign missionary department and say, how much is I'm telling you about that? I'm sick of it. I'm the foreign missionary boy, and I'm sick of it. It's about time some of us rise up and say, I'm going to do it no matter what it costs me. There's the door, there's the opportunity. I'm going to go there and save somebody. Well, I wish I had those kind of pictures. Time for me to go. How are you going to take advantage of all this? Faith and work. Faith without work, you said. Work without faith, you said. We're going to have to have faith. We're going to have to have work. We're going to have to take action. We're going to have to love the truth. Everybody say love the truth. We're going to have to be willing to die for the truth. There's some of us that love the truth. And there's others of us that's willing to die for our traditions. Back in the book and see what thus saith the Lord. As for me and my house, I'm going to preach this book and I'm not going to let you intimidate me to do different from that. And my closing statement. The next thing you're going to have to do is we're going to have to kick the windows of heaven open. And there's only one way to do that. And that is to give. The Lord said, will a man rob God? And the Lord answered him and said, but yes, you rob me with your ties and rob it. I will test it with a test. Please me. Good. Please me. And I'll open up the windows of heaven. Jesus said, yes. And it's God who's giving it to you. All you things you've got, you're going to have to loosen up. Loosen up. Give your power. Give your action. And God will bless you. Well, my pastor already gone as a new child. You keep worrying about your pastor. God's going to take care of him. He's going to have to learn how to give too. Give to him as unto the Lord, and unto your church as unto the Lord, and you will receive your blessing. And if he does the same thing, he will be blessed by God. Can you say amen? Is this good picture? Will you let me come back sometime? Praise God, praise God, praise God. Let's stand together. In the name of the Lord, that's all I have. We have to come in. 